to his right, throws it down. It's picked off, intercepted by Dexter Jackson to midfield. Minus three with Dave Damashek and Jeff Schwartz. Do it, fellas. Oh, yes, Super Bowl's passed, but we are looking on the near horizon because Super Bowl 55 is almost upon us, as is a wealth of other sports action. Hi and hello, and welcome to Minus 3 Sports Fans, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long, no matter what season we're talking about, for exclusive offers and odds boost FanDuel's more ways to win, and make sure you're always betting when you're going on to FanDuel, fanduel.com slash minus three, the word minus the number three and make sure you're following along on twitter at minus three pod pod and with all of that out of the way where shall we go first you know what let's spin the wheel we can spin the qb carousel wheel it's going to spin fast and furious this offseason in the nfl the sixers knocked off the lakers is that a sign of things to come we have spaghetti and meatballs upcoming where we focus in on the former Patrick division or the blend of the Patrick and Adams divisions now known as the mass mutual division, our little, uh, our little hockey talk segment at the back of the show. And then of course the author, and of course the leader of extra points here, our pal cousin Sal with his new book. We're going to kibitz with him in just a little bit um, about his, uh, his magnificent and very funny new autobiography. You can't lose them all tales of a degenerate gambler. We'll talk with, uh, with the cousin just a little bit. In the meantime, hello to you, Jeff Schwartz. What's the poop, fella? Well, I'm doing better than Robin Hood is today. I'll tell you that. So we got we got a good start to my day. Um, <laughs> I oh boy, the internet is ablaze on this Thursday morning, uh, late after late morning, early morning for you guys out in the West. I'm good, man. Um, you know, I was kind of thinking this week, like, oh, what am I gonna worry about? Focus on what's gonna take my mind somewhere, and it's been the stock market. So I've had something to to watch and and kind of gamble from afar and here we are talking about football again i love it i i mean like i keep saying and i said on extra points earlier this week um i have no idea i i i saw the comedy classic it came out before you guys were alive trading places i've seen it i've seen it 50 times i've read really about the ending i love it yeah it's great it's, it's been on tv uh, more recently i've i've read about the ending i've watched youtube videos on the ending i've had investors explain the ending to me and I still don't get it. I have no really? idea what happened at the end. I, I still don't get it, but sort of don't. It's a great movie. It is great, but it does. Uh, I'm with you, Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, Jamie Lee Curtis, and the rest. But it's, um, yeah, I never understand exactly what happens with the frozen orange juice stock and how they get rich off of it and they break the brother. I don't understand it. And now here we are again with this Robin Hood thing. I, I don't know anything about it. Eddie Spaghetti, maybe if you want to jump in and explain well, it to us. Or, oh, you do understand. It. Yeah, you do. I get it. So um, I don't want to. I I I don't want to hear about it. This okay, is not but why I, 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 I've done enough research uh, now that I get what's happening. Um, and then what's happening today is is it's a lot. Yeah, it's basically um, market manipulation, but legal. And now they shut it down, so people are very upset. All right, whatever. I listen. I, I I wish I understood it. I wish I knew how to get rich off the stock market. I don't. I made a decision. I made my bed many so moons ago. You bet on Eddie going down in life. Okay, uh-huh. Eddie's stock yeah. is going down in life. 
Yeah. A bunch of us come in. How, but say, his, we want to ironically, buy- his life goes down as his weight ticks up. I'm very worried <laughs> about his eating habits. He's really getting loose. So a bunch of us get, get, get together and say, you know what? Screw day for betting against Eddie. I'm going to put my money on Eddie. And we bet on Eddie and Eddie's stock rises and then you get screwed. And they stuck. Now what they did is they stopped the action on us buying up Eddie stock. So you can get, so you don't get screwed as badly. Okay, fine. Listen, we could do the same thing with, uh, with this Super Bowl here. If we could get enough people to get on the Buccaneers, then we could be savvy and get that lineup to, to, um, uh, or, or get it down, and then we go get in on the Chiefs. That's the smart bet, right? Let's spoiler alerted here, Schwartz. Is that what you anticipate? Do you think the Chiefs are going to beat them? We can we we can do Super Bowl, but of course we have uh, next week to do that. Yeah, we have but, plenty of time to do Super. Bowl. My quick thoughts are this: um, uh, Okay, if the Chiefs play their best game, they're going to win. There's ways Tampa can affect their best game, but I think it's very clear now that they play their best, they're going to win. But I also thought Green Bay would beat Tampa. I thought New Orleans would beat Tampa. So. I can't keep saying Tampa's going to definitively lose because they haven't yet. So, I again, I think if, if, if KC plays their best game, Tampa's best is not enough, but there's many ways that Tampa can alter the Chiefs and the way they get after them. So I think it'll be a close game. I, I, think, I think the line's three right now, still sitting at three. Yes. Um, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of money on Kansas City right now. Um, I have a Tampa Bay future at plus 1,100 on the Super Bowl. So Ooh. it's 50 bucks to win 550. So I have a lot. I can do a lot of fun this week. Okay, um, but you understand. But I don't know if you uh, forgot. But you know your brothers on the Chiefs, right? Yeah, the value on the Chiefs wasn't very good before the season. So I, didn't I know, but but I mean, this is this is really crossing the line. And when Sal joins us, he likes to soften the pain by betting against his favorite teams or betting against the teams he hates or betting for the teams he hates. And he feels like the it's a massive rationalization, I've heard him, and I I've frown heard him say that on before. it. Before, look, no, I, but Dave, I. I already have my Tampa Bay future, so I can bet a lot of money on the Chiefs' money line. I get it. And I could bet like 500 bucks on the Chiefs' money line, and if they win, I win like, you know, I think they're going to win. I'll win 300 bucks. If they lose, I'll win 50 because of my, of, my, of my $1,100 future. So I can have a lot of fun with this game. First of all, the big headline of this Super Bowl, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, more than a week out now, is – that Damashek and company talk about getting together for a righteous cause and impacting the world positively and specifically this Super Bowl. I begged, I pleaded, others joined in on it. And here we are now, the big news, if you've not heard, even though the NFC team is the home team, and we know that obviously this is a home game for the Buccaneers, we reached out, we told the Buccaneers, do the right thing for our eyeballs. Don't wear those red jerseys. They're an eyesore. Especially, you can't play in the red jerseys against the Chiefs' red hats and the red pants. It's too much red. It'll be Agreed. a nightmare. Agreed. be a plague. And what did the Buccaneers announce on Wednesday? They're going white jerseys, pewter pants, pewter hats. It happens to be a handsome uniform matchup, and it matters. And despite curmudgeons like Cousin Sal, who says, who cares about the uniforms? Who looks at the uniforms? We look at them. Yeah, we look yeah. at them for three and a half hours. And, by the way, it's not just a one-off. You're going to see these highlights literally for the rest of your life if you're a football fan. Who wants us to be reminded of an ugly Super Bowl all the time? This is now a good one, so we win on that. Um, we're already victorious in, uh, on that count. But – I mentioned Brother Mitchell, who won a ring last year. It's not a small matter 
that I know Patrick Mahomes is superhuman and all that, and they got past the Bills and everything with a decimated O-line already, but now it's even more banged up. That's not a small thing after you just saw JPP and company wreck Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, I don't think that's just something you gloss over going into this game. It's definitely not. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm going to spend some time literally this afternoon into tomorrow, and I'm going to hopefully have it up Monday for Fox Sports about the way the Packers – um, really, the Bucks attacked the Packers' weakness on the offensive line, which was David Bakhtiari being out. And we saw them go after Turner, the left the, tackle, the, all game, right? They twisted, they moved. And so now we have Mike Remmers, who was in for my brother, going to left tackle now. They're going to put someone at right tackle. As of recording this, I think legally I have to say my brother's still in injured reserve. I don't have an update for you guys. I don't know if he's going to play. Stop asking me about it. Um and they also have a backup right guard and backup left guard. They have four offensive linemen that are not what they were supposed to have to start the season. On the flip side, Tampa Bay's offensive line guys is really, really good. The right guard's a problem, though. So Chris Jones against the right guard will be an advantage for the Chiefs. But if we're looking at the battle of the trenches here, Tampa Bay wins that battle with, the, with their offensive defensive line. The thing about it, though, is that Pat Mahomes, if, if JPP takes two seconds to get home, and Tyreek Hill's open in a second and a half, it doesn't matter how good the pass rush is because Mahomes will throw the ball before the rush gets there. Yeah, I mean, listen, I know we'll do a deeper dive next week and you'll you're, uh, be oversaturated with Super Bowl analysis, but I guess maybe we can get a little bit of a head start here. Very quickly, let me say, and tell me if I'm wrong, uh, where, where uh, uh, how this goes here, Schwartz. I'm kind of inclined to lean Tampa Bay here and it's funny because if you watched um, how 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 the how the Bills kind of did a good job against KC, I think you know I don't I I it was funny the they Bills? didn't I I didn't think they were I didn't think they did an atrocious job really if Tyreek Hill doesn't, Tyreek Hill doesn't drop that pass the Chiefs might have scored like forty points. I hear you. I know, but the premise that we've discussed for two years now, Schwartz, is that this no, this nonsense of like, here, let's just play keep away is not a real plan right. against the Chiefs. You've got to score in the 30s against them. And it seems to me that they're built specifically with Levante David and Devin White. If you think about how they beat the Saints, Alvin Kamara did not kill them. And so if you blur your eyes, I know Alvin Kamara doesn't equal Travis Kelsey or vice versa, but in a way they kind of do in the sense that if those linebackers are tasked with trying to take away or slowing down Travis Kelsey and the pass rush is getting to Patrick Mahomes a little bit so that he can't hit those deep balls, then really what are they doing? The the, the offense is a little limited. Obviously it's the Chiefs offense, so you grade it on a curve, but I could see the Chiefs, uh, the the Bucks defense, at least slowing them down to like, you know, 30 points or something like that. And, you know, I mean, the, the, yeah. if, if Antonio Brown's back and healthy, it, it it remains a legitimate, nice collection of pass catchers that Brady has to work with. I could see an exciting, you know, I could see a 34-30 kind of result for the Buccaneers. Well, the, the way Tampa's been scoring, it definitely is possible, right? And look, I, here's my biggest point to, to why the defense for Tampa can keep this game close and why they can win the game. Look at last season, okay? Chiefs were down 20-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter, guys, and they scored 21 unanswered points. If you're telling me Tom Brady has the ball up 10 with seven minutes left, they're not winning a Super Bowl, uh, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. So there are ways 
for this to happen, you know, you mentioned Dave, if if they're able to shut down, let's say Travis Kelsey, not shut him down, but you get what I'm yeah, saying. You, you slow him down. So here's the, the, the issue is this is like, the thought is we're going to play like tight coverage, right? I mean, we'll play off coverage, no matter, matter what it is. And we're going to kind of like sit at seven or eight yards because we know that if the rush gets home, Mahomes has to throw the ball quickly. Right. But, but, but what if it doesn't on a play? And then Tyreek Hill is like behind the secondary because they're kind of squatting on something they think is underneath. So it's a, it's a game you have to play if you're Tampa to figure out exactly how, how you want to do it. Uh, Todd Bowles has two weeks to figure it out. I like Todd Bowles in the situation. There's also the Brady against Spagnola little twist here, right? Spags was the, the coach for the Giants for both Super Bowls, right, Eddie? I believe both Super Bowls in, in Dallas, uh, I mean, in Dallas, in New York as the D.C. Now he's the D.C. with the Chiefs. And the Chiefs' passing defense is very underrated. They're doing a good job. They're blitzing a ton. They blitz Josh Allen a ton. They blitz Tom Brady a ton the first game. So what, what does Brady have as far as answers on offense for Spags' defense? I hear you, and I, I think on Cousin Sal's counsel, and when he joins us, maybe he can provide some further insight here. I think if you're on Tampa Bay, to your point, Schwartz, I think a lot of people are going to lean towards the Chiefs. And I think that that number has a chance to go up to three and a half. And then that's when you jump on the Bucks, right? If you if you use a three and a half, yes, jump on the Bucks. Yes. Do you but do you anticipate my my prediction there? That the line's gonna no, move a little bit? Or you think so much money on the Chiefs, I don't see it going in that direction. Oh, oh um, no, 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 three and a half. You're right. No, I'm, I'm confused. Yes. The, the problem the books have, I think, is that the pro players will jump on three and a half in a heartbeat. Like the big money fish, like the ones that betting $500,000, if they get Tampa plus three and a half, they're going to run to the cage and make that bet, which I don't think they, I think they'd rather have, you know, small money public players on the Chiefs rather than the, the big fish on, on Tampa plus three and a half. Um, okay, let's bounce around a little bit. Um, and because I want to talk about the the state of our halls of fame. Um, I want to dig in on uh, on my idea for the 21st century, how we can change that. Also, we have to spin the QB carousel and see where everybody lands. But while we're talking some Super Bowl here, um, I say that like if Tampa Bay wore the red jerseys, it would be bad because like these memories are burned into our brains and then we see them every year. And like Patrick Mahomes is presumably going to be around for a little bit. And by the way, that's going to be the big story of next week is the the legacy game of Brady versus Mahomes. If Mahomes wins this one, I mean, the 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 real estate in front of him is just wide open. If he goes back to back and he's oh, as yeah. young as he is, it really like stop the conversation. Tom Brady's the greatest of all time conversation. I think it merely gets paused. I right now we agree, Schwartz and Spaghetti, that Tom Brady's the the greatest of all time in North American yes. sports or uh, team sports history. He has now vaulted past Michael Jordan. Is that fair? I Schwartz? agree. I agree. But people are very upset whenever you talk negatively about Michael Jordan, which is not even negative. I just I think Tom Brady's done an incredible job of continuing to win, 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 win. What uh, spaghetti you agree as well? Is he or I, are you still no. on the Jordan? I don't think I don't. I think it's hard. At least the general public will not separate Jordan. You could even NBA is five players. It's easier to isolate the one guy. 
And Jordan proved time and time again that he was the one guy, the one driving factor. Unfortunately for Brady, I'm not saying he doesn't belong or ahead of him, but the problem is when you have like 10 other guys on offense and plus a whole defense, and then people still think Belichick's the greatest coach of all time, it's tough to separate him uh, him and Jordan. I think just the, the, the ability in the NBA to play isolation ball and kind of distinguish yourself against the other four teammates, it kind of helps Jordan more in this case. Interesting. You know, I, you know, it's also I, and I know that's not what you're getting at there, Spaghetti. But, you know, the idea it's weird that even I mean, like four minutes after Tom Brady goes to his 10th Super Bowl, there were there was no shortage of cynics who took to social media to announce yes. Tom Brady is so lucky. Like how? Right, I mean, right. at what point is he not our lucky friend, anymore? He's been in ten Super Bowls. Friend, Believe me, I would like I would like that to be the case. I wish Brady hadn't been in at least a couple more Super Bowls in favor of my favorite team. But at some point, you you, you can't be like, boy, man, that guy just has some crazy good luck going in his favor, right? Our friend Gabe Goodwin is beside himself because he despises Tom Brady, and um, he just. On, on my podcast, he was just like so just couldn't believe that Tom Brady is so lucky. I think Tom Brady makes his own luck, man. Like, I just think that everyone around him rises up when he's around because they think they can always win with him. So everyone just plays a little bit better. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I talked to another pal of ours, Ross Tucker, this week, and just to gauge, and uh, and, and we got to try to get him on maybe next week to talk about this. But I said, you know Belichick, and you know Brady, and what do you think? He said, listen, if anybody tries to sell you on this jive that Belichick is indifferent about what's going on, if anybody tries to even take that angle, don't believe them. Belichick cares more about pro football history. Witness his participation in the 100th year of the NFL and all his recollections about guys who played in 1938 and all that kind of crap. Um, He cares about legacy and he cares about place and history and all that. And uh, Ross Tucker at least uh, says, oh, he definitely is, uh, is really upset. And, this should mean this should lead you to believe that Belichick is working all the back channels right now to figure out how to make a big splash in NFL 2021. I absolutely buy that. I don't think he's laying down and going to try to make a go of it with Jared Stidham in 2021. No, he's, not. he's not. All right, here he is, everybody. The author of an autobiography. It's almost hard to believe. It seems surreal to say that. 20 years ago, he and I shared an office with three other mooks and uh, and made up <laughs> sports trivia questions and and uh, and laughed a lot. And here he is. Is a published author. You can't lose them all. Tales of a Degenerate Gambler, our pal and uh, and host of many shows here on the Extra Points Network. It's Cousin Sal. What's the poop, fella? Yes. What's up, fellas? Thank you for having me. I just, I had no idea. I jumped on FanDuel. You could parlay now. Leonard Fournette, first touchdown with over, under one and a half chickens killed in Jeff Schwartz's backyard. So I don't know. They really <laughs> have, they have every single wanna, thing now. Yeah. A hawk got one. Uh, oh, no. Yesterday. Yesterday, Tuesday, no, Tuesday night. <laughs> what the so hell? We got, two, we, we got two left. We've, we're now down six. And those two are gone. We, we got, we gave them away. They're gone Saturday. We're not, they're just, we took the birds out for 30 minutes and a hawk. We went out there and a hawk was just like pecking at this blood everywhere. It was brutal. Uh, it was brutal. So we're, there was Reminder for you, Schwartz, you're a Jew. What are you doing with hawks <laughs> and beasts in your backyard? Well, it's not a hawk, pig, Dave. Hawks, I, it's pork you can't have. Chicken's fine, I think. Chicken's right? fine. And, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and um, we, there's owls, too. Like, an owl attacks them sometimes every now and then. So 
They're out of here on Saturday. We got a friend coming over, <laughs> taking the whole thing. The, the coop, the chickens, the food, it's all gone. Hey, Sal, first yeah. thing, uh, react to this. Jeff uh -huh. Schwartz, late breaking, has a, uh, a long ago made a futures bet on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, oh. as a reminder, his brother is on the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, I'll tell you about this. <laughs> I think this is a great, great dilemma. What's he supposed to do? Uh, are you, I, so, you can't fault him. Are you, are you wondering what question. he should do? You already made the bet, right? So, yeah, so I made it before the done. season. It's 50 bucks to win 550. All right, it's plus plus eleven hundred. Okay. So my my thinking is to go. I think the Chiefs win this weekend. It's to do like maybe like a four hundred five hundred dollar money line bet on the Chiefs. So I win. I don't know what like three hundred bucks somewhere around that. If the Chiefs yeah. win, or two fifty because I take out the fifty on the other bet, or the Chiefs lose and I make fifty bucks on Tampa. Yeah, that's no fun. Just root for your brother and let the eleven to one ride. I think. You right. Think so? Yeah, I think so. You're rude. No one, no one thinks you're rooting for Tampa. It's five fifty. Well, I know it's, that. Well, I mean, what's five hundred? It's just another twenty-five chickens. You're not gonna. <laughs> it doesn't change your life. I think you're right. I know what Dave's getting at. He never should have bet in the first place. But this is a this is a long life we have. You can't just pass up seasons after season, right? It was a good bet. Nice, nice job by you already. Well, Sal, what do you think though? Maybe mm -hmm. because. Mitchell Schwartz is not tracking towards being in uniform. Oh, right. In a way, he's supporting his younger brother. That it's like the Jenga theory. Like Mitchell Schwartz isn't in there. Right. That means the Chiefs aren't good anymore. So really, well, he's supporting his they sibling. Have, they, right? have, they haven't lost a game since he's been out. So I don't know how. Oh no. <laughs> that, theory, that theory holds very well. I think they lost the Raiders when he was still playing. So isn't it uh, ridiculous? We see stats left and right. I don't remember a Super Bowl where we've seen such compelling stats for each quarterback. Mahomes is either 25 and one or 26 and one in his last 27, depending on how you, I don't know if he got credit for the win against Denver when he went out, but they won the game. But anyway, and then there's just Brady. There's just a monstrous numbers in favor of him for the Super Bowl. And I was trying to figure it out. I think Jeff, have you guys figured it out, Dave or Eddie? I think I'm like um, one in eight betting on Tom Brady or against him in the Super Bowls. I might be two and seven, but I can't get it right at all. Are you, you, you have a more favorable um, record than that? Boy, that's a great question. I'll have to go back through each game and remember yeah. where I was. I definitely was with you way back when we were in the Superdome and near the turn of the millennium. I definitely was with you on the Rams smoking right. them. I was stunned oh, about I'd that. Be, oh, so I so I obviously was playing, so I couldn't bet on them many of the years uh -huh. I was playing. Uh, but in 2018, I bet on them to beat the Rams. I thought they would. And I bet on them to beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. I was at that game. I had oh, no wow. one plus three. I thought New England would win, so I know it's, it's against your family thing there, but I, I like winning money, so I put New England plus three. Uh, so that's the last two times I bet on Tom Brady in the playoffs. That's way worse than the, this 11-1 Tampa thing, betting against your brother who was actually playing in the uh, AFC he, Championship. He was, yes. Right? Was, yeah, that's, yeah, that, yeah, that needs to be taken a task, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I won the bet, though. That's true. Sal, you've made your pages for many moons for Jimmy Kimmel Live and yeah. uh, the Man Show and everything else. How I, it seems so daunting to me to write a book. It seems like overwhelming to the point like, I mean, it's an impossibility. How could anybody ever scratch out 300 pages on anything? How, was it was it easier or more difficult uh, than you expected it to be when you jumped in on it? Um, it was it, it, it's a dumb uh, answer, but it, it was both because I, I figured out I'm like, I'm not going to do this unless I know I have 
enough material here, right? I don't want to write a flimsy 140-page book, but I'm also not going to write the book of basketball for 7,000 pages where you have to read 12 books to write I book. already did it. You better not try because <laughs> oh, it's done. You're right. You're right. Simmons already uh, nailed that. But I basically laid it out. I mean, we're old men, Dave. So we have a lot of experiences more than I'm more of a guy than a man. Yeah, yeah you're, you're an old guy. But I, I was like, if I don't have 40 stories that I think people would be willing to listen to or read, uh, then I'm not doing this. And I wrote it. I, I outlined them. And as they pertain to gambling and I had like 60, I was like, all right, well, 40 or 50 is, is <laughs> that's 200 pages. So I'm going to go go ahead and do it. And, you know, I had the pandemic help me because the deadline, which I had one was, um, you know, uh, it was a false deadline because I all of a sudden had all this extra time. So um, in a way, it was easier. In a way, it was harder. <laughs> the the big winner from COVID-19, Sal yes, and his exactly. agent. <laughs> um, well, muzzle tub on it. And the early review, one of the ones that matters most, I'm sure, in your heart, Sal, is yeah. Mo Damashek has already dug in on it. And oh. she she's delighted by it. Oh, she she's, is. <laughs> yes. She's really, she, she's really pleased with it. She wanted you to know. She congratulates you. Um, and she's very happy for you. She sounds a nice boy, as she says. And so uh, she, she roots for your success. That means the world to me. Thank you. I, Thank I, heard, I heard Oprah loved it, too. So <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that Oprah, Did you hear that story, Jeff? About I heard that, yeah, the yeah, like, extra points. Yeah. My mother and these yentas coming through the woodwork. What a surprise they're going to have when they're reading about uh, nonsensical overseas bets and stuff. Uh, well, what are you going to do? Do you remember the first bet you ever placed? Well, you know what? I um, you might be too young for this, but it, it came in stages. But uh, baseball card flipping was the the bet. I guess it's considered a bet, right? And uh, the normal kids would bet five cards against each other. You'd actually approach someone and say five Larrys, and five Larrys meant you risk five and I risk five. And you could either go by color or you could go by um, position. Or really old schools, you flip them against the wall, and if your heads meets their heads or whatever, you you take the card. But that ruined the card. So um, and then, uh, but I, I couldn't be like everyone else. I would go a hundred Larrys with people, and I would risk it against like twenty kids. And this is me as like a six year old. And I remember losing Dave <laughs> Kingman. <clears throat> I love Dave Kingman, and I lost him in a hundred Larry flip off. And I walk back in tears. So it really, your worst beat really has to do with what stage you are in life. That might have been my worst beat ever, even though I've lost thousands and thousands of dollars since then. So, yeah, flipping cards. It's <laughs> been trying to make it back for the last 40 years. Is that, a version of, is that, is that my version of Pogs, I guess, in my from my youth? Pogs? That was what like, is we Pogs? Used bet, we used to bet on, Eddie might be too young for this. Remember the Pogs? We used to have like the little, you'd slam them down and they flip up. You remember that? Nope, never. No, what, no, what is no. it? What, so these, is it a, these little, these little like discs, and oh. you would take a, a thing and you'd flip them, and they flip up, and then you gamble on them, and you would. Like I fed, I fed my pogs to the chickens. Um, oh. Sal, <laughs> before we let you go, because you have many important uh, things, we just yeah. wanted to get you on quickly to say muzzle tough to you on the uh, book and encourage everybody to go get it. But here's the philosophical question mm -hmm. it, it, around, the, and it's a perennial one. But your thoughts on this? Would you rather have had you mentioned the Tom your betting record against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? Mm -hmm. His weird kryptonite, the greatest of all time, even though I could beat him in a foot race, is crazy. Would you rather have Dan Marino's career or Eli Manning, 
the Tom Brady killer? Whose career would you rather have? Spaghetti. Why do you get upset, Spaghetti? Why do you throw your head? Dave, David, all due respect, that is the single dumbest question ever asked on a podcast in the history of podcasts. That, that can't be. What? Because be. what is the point of play? the reason why your Steeler doing Haskins? Part of the reason why he was kicked out of the well, Washington football team go. What, 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 was because he was, you're gonna do, he was you're gonna praising his stats in a loss. Nobody cares about your stats. No, like <laughs> yes, yeah, Samuel is the was probably the, one of the most talented had great stats but you play to win the game i know it sounds like herm edwards but that's the whole point where they play dan marino himself would trade his career with his stats for eli manning's two super bowl rings and two super bowl mvps without a doubt well i we appreciate the time right. we know your window is short sal so thanks for joining us. Uh, spaghetti <laughs> is right you go for wins you go for super bowl wins but dan marino was cooler he just was and he was accomplished himself so i'm not i, I i'm gonna say marino just a tan. How do you tan your face like that? That's uh, that, not a long. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's that. I, I really do. I did that. This is one. By the way, the uh, good slash bad news is I'm not going to get to ever have either career. But I, it is. It, it, I think it is a fascinating question. Anyway, we'll do more of this talk. We'll get uh, your your bet. You'll continue to explain to me why that uh, that hook at three and a half will seduce uh, all the big money. Uh, to Tampa Bay, and that's why they're not going to move it up. You, you, you continue to stand by that, correct, Sal? I do. I think uh, I think they're going to worry that um, if they move it to off the three, that some Reddit idiots will get involved, and all of a sudden it'll be like eleven and a half, and they won't know what the hell to do, and that'll be that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm starting to lean really Tampa. Like, I, if it gets to three and a half, I think all the big players come in on Tampa at three and a half. That's kind of what happened Sunday morning, right? There were like yeah. a dozen half million dollar bets on Tampa at yep. plus three and a half, and everyone got slaughtered. But speaking of slaughtered, I can't believe the chickens outlasted Cloris Leachman, but good for them. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> all right, there he is. Uh, the great cousin Sal, everybody. Listen to him on extra uh, points uh, against all. Make sure the main thing is before before anything else. Uh, you can't lose them all. Tales of a Degenerate Gambler. Track it down on Amazon. Cousin Sal, everybody. We'll uh, we'll talk to you in the next 24 hours. I yes, think. let's Sal. do it again soon. Thanks again, fellas. You're doing a great Take job. Care, buddy. All right. There goes Cousin Sal. I'll make sure you check him out on The Herd, I think, is where he's headed next. So he'll be talking, you know, big timers. He made some uh, time for that, and we appreciate that. Schwartz, your opinion on that question I just threw out. What the 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 Eli or Marino? It's like it's, I think it's I think it's used from the 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 uh Clarence Leachman joke. Um, uh, I think I'd rather have Eli's you name it. You should name a chicken after Cloris Leachman, it's the right thing to do. But uh, you'd rather have Eli's career, I'd rather win a championship. I, I guess that's true. I think I agree, but um, it I, I think it is I, it's the single dumbest question ever asked on this show, Spaghetti. I really do think so. I really I gotta I, say, speaking of dumb questions, I was listening to, like I mentioned earlier, I was listening to your podcast. The question you asked about is this a must win game during Super Bowl week? I wish I was there oh, when you the asked players that. That it's incredibly hilarious. They're the best. I, I will add to quickly, Jeff, just as somebody who worked on the DDFP and had the raw footage. I mean, it's. It's real funny stuff, I will say. The Dave did a, a an A plus. As bad as that question was about Eli versus Reno, is the total opposite of the spectrum of Dave at Media Day. That was a lot of funny stuff there. Yes, I used to uh, ask everybody. We got to get that going again at some point, Spaghetti. I used to. Uh, well, they have to get going with media nights again for it to happen. Well, isn't it virtual um, this year? You should log yeah. in virtually. You should get a maybe I will. Time. Maybe we should really look into that. Maybe we should look into that. It's it's funny though because the the. 
Here's the thing. Everybody, a lot of people have hit me up here. I'm sure you guys get hit up as well all the time. Like, hey, how do you get what's what counsel do you have for somebody trying to get into the business? It's easy to say be different. Don't do the same thing everybody else is doing. But the pressure when you're surrounded by people, when there are dozens literal, or even hundreds of people standing there trying to get Tom Brady's attention to ask him a question, you really have to push down your ego and and act like a jackass. Like, hey, Tom Brady, is this a must-win game? The stink <laughs> eye you get from the, from the serious, well, I'm here to have a hard-hitting interview. Like, they, this ain't the time to have a hard-hitting interview there, champ. But um, – and everybody else dressed up like a clown to get the attention. Like you really have to like put it. It's embarrassing a little bit, but um, yes, I, I mean, the best is when the, it's the head coaches, the, when it's the serious head coaches and you're asking like Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick, if it's a must win game. It's a, it's a, yeah, I gotta say it, it's pretty funny. Anyhow. Um, well, how about, let me just make it a little more sweat. Cause it, to 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 continue to beat this uh, dumb question into the ground. Okay, let's remove Eli because he got two. Nick Foles. Would you rather have Nick Foles' no. career? Damn right now. All right, we'll see. It's, it's oddly easy to be like, oh, wow, well, well, winning. Well, because, like, well, well, Nick because, Foles yeah, won. Because Eli will still be a Hall of Famer in the end, I think, and Nick Foles is not. That's a different. Like, Marino's a Hall of Famer, right? So he just would be a Hall of Famer with two rings. So you wouldn't uh, rather have Brad Johnson's career, in other words? No. Would you rather have Brad Johnson's career? No, but I, that's why I asked the question. I think it's no. a fun one to it's a fun one to evaluate. And spaghetti, you're uh, you're going to stick with your. Uh, I mean, the thing, Dan Marino versus a passenger on a Super Bowl team is is difficult because he's arguably the best to not win. Whereas you know a guy like Brad Johnson or a Dilfer was brought along for the ride. But part of me thinks is like, yeah, the the gold jacket. What do you value more, the gold jacket, or do you value the ring? So to me, it's different. I would probably say Marino over a, a, a Dilfer or a Foles. But I think if you have a respectable career like Eli's, I think it's a that's a no brainer. All right, here's another either or. Take your pick. That's a that's a fun philosophical mind bender. I think. Would you rather have the career, the Super Bowl resume, of Tom Brady? Or Joe Montana, Jeff Schwartz. How say you? The Super Bowl career of Tom Brady or Joe Montana? Yeah. Um, so Joe was undefeated, right, in Super Bowls? 4-0. Yeah. Never even uh, intercepted. I, yeah, I, I would rather have Tom Brady, I think. I mean, the longevity of the 10 Super Bowls. And, and what's funny about, you know, people always say, well, he could have won... He could have won a couple more. Well, he also could have lost a couple more too, right? So, like, so you can't say, well, he he could have been the Giants twice. Well, he could have lost to Seattle too and in Atlanta. Like, we can't do this thing where we say, oh, he could have won ten, oh, sure, but he could have lost three others as well. Like, he's won the ones he's won. He's lost the ones he's won. Uh, he's lost the ones he's lost. Six and three is pretty incredible. Um, if he wins this game, though, first year in Tampa Bay against this Chiefs juggernaut team. I mean, this is like this is the icing on, and I, you know, I, I agree. Icing, icing it, on the cake. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm partial to gravy over icing if push comes to shove, but icing is still good. Um, it is funny though, and I know LeBron has lost more um, championship rounds than he's won, but still, it's funny that I think you're right. I think most people would say they'd rather have Tom Brady's Super Bowl um, resume than Joe Montana's, but it's funny that that doesn't necessarily apply to LeBron. You know, it's I, I think LeBron deserves the same sort of I would have LeBron's been great. People that hate on LeBron are just haters. Oh, I think those people are weird too. Yes. But 
what it leads me to is when you say, what if Tampa Bay wins it? I mean, just getting to the Super Bowl. Just just try to remember as best you can, everybody, where we were right around a year ago. I was speculating. I, I said for like the last year and a half, L.A. Chargers. That's where this is winding up. I kept saying mm-hmm. it. I, I beat it into the ground. It makes all the sense in the world. Nice pass catchers, good weather, all that stuff. And as it turned out, and our pal Willie McGinnis said, and he it turned out he really did know, he's like, it's a lifestyle thing. Tom doesn't want to be on the West Coast because he doesn't want to be that far away from family. And that yeah, proved correct, but it did make all the sense in the world um, otherwise to me. But anyhow, just remember that the stakes and like, ah, but it'll be, oh, it'll be 43 and he won't have Belichick. And maybe Belichick is really the, the linchpin to this whole thing. And maybe Brady will get exposed a little bit. And boy, he has some nice pass catchers there in Tampa Bay. But well, I don't know if this is, can work with Bruce Arians. And, you know, Bruce Arians likes to push it constantly. And that's not what Brady does anymore. All that talk. Now Brady's in the Super Bowl. The Patriots went seven and nine. I, of course, I can excuse Belichick because all those defensive guys sat down before they ever got going this year. But, I mean, he did roll with Cam Newton, who to me now has really injured his Hall of Fame candidacy and needs a big bounce back in Act 3 of his career. But either way, has has it now laid bare that we have a new participant in the number two club? Is that, I mean, it's like, is, is it now um, second fiddle, Bill Belichick, welcome to the club. Hi, I'm Bill Belichick, and I'm a second fiddle. Um, I, to, don't think, to, I think it's too too soon to tell. Because you tell me Bill Belichick doesn't have Tampa Bay's roster. He's winning the Super Bowl this year? No, I don't know. I, I, what I do know is that Brady did go to the Super no, Bowl he, without Belichick. Yeah, well, Brady went uh, – Belichick went 7-9 with that bum roster they had. I think there's a, a distinction here. Is there's Bill Belichick the coach and Bill Belichick the general manager. The general manager – doesn't seem to do very well at times. The coach is still great. The general manager is not, even on a smaller scale, Bill O'Brien, the coach, good coach. Bill O'Brien, the GM, terrible GM. Like, so you have to separate, I think, and look, even Andy Reid, Andy Reid will admit you in Philly when he got more power there to do the roster. He wasn't as good at roster building as he was as coaching. He goes to Kansas City and he just coaches now. Of course, he has a say in, you know, with Brent Veach, but in the end, Veach typically decides, John Dorsey decided where to go. It's hard to do both things at a high level. And so I think Belichick, the coach, is still great. Belichick, the roster builder, eh, I think I think Brady Okay, but that's lost. part of it. You can't separate those two things because well, I don't think Belichick is going to say, you know what, I've realized now I'm not so good at uh, the personnel well, he, side he, of things. I mean, he, so might, somebody- he might he might bring in someone to do that for him. I don't I – don't, I, you know what I mean? Like I, he might decide to, to have – Someone else help him with the roster. Well, he better. I'll, I'll tell you this, because and people say, "How dare you?" It's sort of exactly what we talked about with Rogers v. Brady a week ago with T.J. Lang. These people who wish to delude themselves, and I don't know what, like, oh, it doesn't matter what happens in one game. That doesn't define everything for a guy. Yeah, it does. Like, I mean, you know, the sky was falling by games end in Lambeau, and you know the. The, the fallout from that is, is Aaron Rodgers even going to be back? I mean, these things, massive stuff happens off of big-time losses. And I really think, I mean, you know, there are people out there who say, like, oh, I think Belichick's going to just stick with what Belichick likes to do. I think no way. I think he is going to have to be intent 
he cares about his legacy. He cares about his place in football history. I think it is now rightly called into question that he was a passenger for this, you know, and he needs to show something without Tom Brady, right? I mean, like people, oh, that's crazy. That's great. Listen, here's the the Patriots, the 20 years of the Patriots uh, run. I don't even know if you call it a dynasty. I always say dynasty doesn't really apply because it's just the two guys, Brady and Belichick. Um, But now it kind of blurs, is it a Patriots thing or is it a Brady thing? And the legacy now is even stronger. Like, yeah, they played fast and loose with the rules and all of that. That whether whether people want to asterisk that properly or not, it already is asterisk in the in, in the minds of a lot of fans out there. I think Belichick would do well, and I think he is going to get in on the Stafford sweepstakes, the Watson sweep sweepstakes, and all the rest of it. I think he. I, I mean, I think he's not going to. Um, I mean, obviously, anybody who needs a quarterback is going to participate in that. But I think he has this has really goosed him. Do you agree or no? I mean, he's a competitor, isn't he? He's got to be like, well, I got to show Brady in the world I, that uh, I 100% agree with you. I think that that that. But the question is, is is Belichick able to pivot to something else? We we always what's really interesting about about Belichick and the way people talk about him is they're like, oh, you know, he wants a to do this and that. And I'm like, guys, I haven't seen him do anything very different over his career, right? Now, Cam Newton was different, obviously. That's a good sign. Okay, that was a start. Um, but, like, he has kind of done the same thing all the time. He's very flexible within his own systems. But he's not really, you know, he drafts shitty wide receivers all the time. He has inter- interchangeable parts on defense. Like, there hasn't been much difference in what he's done now for 20 years. Um, the question is, does he, is he able to draft a dynamic quarterback? Is he able to draft some dynamic wide receivers? Like, is he able to go to free agency and land stars, which he doesn't do very often? So he has to change who he is really more on the general manager side than the coaching side. And we haven't seen it yet. People say, like, you like you, like, oh, you can do it. Well, are we sure? I'll tell you, too. Brady really did do him a solid to this degree. He went to the NFC. It could have been worse for Belichick and he could have stayed in the conference and then it's a little closer to home and all of that. At least he he moved to another conference. But man, yeah, I I, I think this is I people can scoff and say uh, hot take and all that kind of stuff. Listen, I mean, it really doesn't even matter if Brady wins this Super Bowl. He went to the Super Bowl yeah. uh, in, in a 43 year old man. It's pretty clear. I think you're trying too hard if you're trying to make a case of like, it still is the it's still equivalent. It still is Brady and Belichick. Would they have won six Super Bowls if either guy weren't there? I don't know about that, but Brady has now shown quite clearly he can be successful and, and, and big time successful, not get to the playoffs. Go to a Super Bowl without Belichick. What's Belichick's response is is a fascinating question now for the offseason. And and I do want to dig in on, like I say, the Hall of Fame. I have floated the idea. Schwartz, I think uh, you have confirmed your interest in this. I think we should leave all Halls of Fame. I don't like that it's determined by these uh, residents of Mount Pius who are vindictive and don't put, you know, everybody doesn't uh, vote for T.O. because he was mean in the locker room and all that kind of jive. Like, how does that have any hand in all of this then you get into the morality of the man like is this he was a bad human being 
and like Kurt Schilling in that debate. Should Kurt Schilling be in the Hall of Fame? Because then you have to give him a microphone to make a speech. And then he's got to he's got to stand up there. And do we want to hear that? And I, I, I that's murky Mina, stuff as well. I, so I Mina, get all Mina that. Kimes, Mina Kimes is like, just let him in. Don't let him speak. Like, just make it like guys. Can, you can choose to listen to guys or not. Um, so we're talking about baseball Hall of Fame for those who don't uh, know. And no one got in, in, inducted this year, which is just perfect for baseball. Right. Because it's more important that the writers get, you know, get the shine than anyone else. Sixteen people returned returned ballots that were blank. 16, 16 people. Those 16 should never again vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame. It is, as I always say, it's the nerds' revenge. It that's is. that's really – it really is what it's about. It's these petulant guys who didn't get treated nicely enough in the locker room and they – you know, all that kind of stuff. And then this is where they get vindictive and weird about stuff. And, it, yeah. and that's why I say move all the Halls of Fame up to Mount Pius – and let them sit up there, and and and, and their kind can go and and uh, look at the, the reflection off of the busts and see themselves because that's what they want to see in it anyway because they're more important apparently. And let's start our own. Let's start our own, and let's in, let's be more inclusive. It's not just yeah. one sport. Let's make it all the sports. I'm I'm with you, um, but more specifically to, to baseball though, it, the steroid thing is really surprising to me. How we act about the steroid era because. One is that it happened, guys. It's, we can't ignore it happened, okay? It happened. Secondly, the commissioner who oversaw the whole thing is in the Hall of Fame. Third, and I'm a big Barry Bonds guy. so I that's, a, that's a great point. That is a great point. That Bud Selig, yeah. who, who either signed or who either checked off on this or, like, I don't know what's going on. Well, like, so as, the, as so was happening in the, the room. He went with the, I don't know what's going on. So here's my point. Right. Is that baseball had a testing policy in place but did not test until Congress got involved, then the Mitchell report, and then they decided to really test in 2004, kind of like tested, test in 2005 when they started testing. Everyone knew what was happening. Mark McGuire had a ball of Andrew in his freaking locker. Like it wasn't, everyone knew what was happening. The same people that sit on Mount, Mount Pius right now cheered the steroid era, profited on the steroid era, wrote about the steroid era, romanticized all the home runs that were hit during the steroid era. And now Barry Bonds can't get in. But look, I understand if you want to make Bonds the face of this, be my guest. But my number one problem with this is people that say, oh, this so-and-so Hall of Famer did not use steroids. How do you know? How do you know? Because so far, since we started testing more, Bartolo Colon tested positive for steroids. That, that, I, we all seen Bartolo Colon, right? He's heftier than all three of us put together, okay? Dude's on steroids. Uh... Andy Pettit was on steroids. For, for recovery, well, PEDs, right? It's more like an HGH to recover from injuries. D. Gordon, who weighs 150 pounds soaking wet, was caught for using steroids. Like, it's not just to make you big, strong, and bulky. It's for recovery, right? So to say, like, oh, only Bonds and Clemens and and and, and Sosa use steroids. Really? Really? Because here's what's going to happen. David Ortiz will get in the Hall of Fame because everyone likes David Ortiz. Are you telling me he That's so right. That's in his career? Precisely. Are, are we, are, is that the argument that... We're gonna make the dudes forty years old hitting forty home runs. Maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy, but I I isn't it? Or maybe I'm uh, I don't want to um, you know uh, say what isn't true. But it didn't most of those Red Sox didn't it, uh, the title team? Yeah, was, wasn't it the majority of those guys? Weren't yes. the, like I, I you know Jose Canseco came out and said seventy five percent of players were using, and I I think that number's closer to that than whatever anyone else thinks it is. Like, I don't it's think it's also, 75%, but I think it's like, I, if you look, I've talked to players during that era, man. Like, the amount of, of greenies they used, which I guess is so 
It's okay to play with speed in your system, but not okay to take steroids. Um, again, my argument for baseball to be in the Hall of Fame is this. If you suspected someone used steroids, the bar is just higher, right? For example, McGuire and Sosa. McGuire, basically, I think we can agree, has used his entire career, right? So is his career good enough to overcome that bar? Now, the bar is different for everybody. Is Sosa's career good enough to overcome that bar? Barry Bonds and, and Clemens are clearly better than any bar you have for what that should be for steroid users, right? Bonds was 400-400 before he started using. He won three MVPs. Clemens the same way. Like, those guys should be in the Hall of Fame. So should Schilling, in my opinion. I don't like Schilling. I think he's a doofus. I don't agree with his politics. But the Hall of Fame is what you do from when you start to when you finish in your sport, and he was one of the best. Well, I mean, right. You know, a few things about it. First of all, it is the greatest cell phone that there is you, I mean, it's, it's not free to go to the hall of fame. You pay something to walk in the door um, because it's a for-profit thing on some level. And what, what is this business that you're operating here? It it doesn't have the best baseball players of all time. And it, um, it doesn't have, it doesn't have the home run King or the hit King or Roger Clemens, the best pitcher of the last 50 years in it. So really, what is it a hall of? And by the way, it's also a hall of hypocrisy slash double standard, because to your point about like, well, it happened. Everybody juiced. Everybody knows Ty Cobb was a was, was a douchebag. Like, and that's when you see his plaque. And I've never been to the Baseball Hall of Fame. But there he is. There's there, there's uh, or go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hey, there's Jim Brown's plaque. Like when people get on me about who I root for and believe me, I get DMs and whatever in social media about like, how can you root for so and so? It's like, listen, root for. I don't know. But if you want to play the game of who are we? What, what kind of team is that you're rooting for? Like, I, I don't know that there's a team out there li- literally that you could point at and say, yes. All uh, on the up and up morally and otherwise. Like what? I mean, what are we doing? And, and this, this is why. This is why I've I've always thought it interesting when people talk about the morality of pro sports. Right? Oh, he didn't shake his hand. What? What? What are you? The fuck, are you guys talking about? This is the pro sports. There's no this. Yeah, there's some morality. Like for example, me. People say, well, how would you feel if you played against someone who used steroids? A. All right. Well, I'd kick their ass anyways. But B. I, they have to live with the steroid use. I don't. I was clean, right? I, I can live with my career. That guy who took steroids, they got to live knowing that they cheated. Plain and simple. And I'm not going to control how someone else feels and thinks. I'm going to worry about myself. And I didn't use steroids. I had a friend who told me I probably should have. It would have helped my leg heal faster. I'm sure I wonder have. about that. Do you now, in hindsight, 2020 hindsight, you could still be playing? For um, all we know, you might be yeah. getting ready for a Super Bowl right now um, if you would have juiced. I've, I've thought about this before because when I hurt my, my ankle in uh, in New York, if I would have taken like HGH, I probably would have healed better. Um, I'm fine with it. I just, again, I, I don't, I probably wouldn't feel comfortable doing it. So I, I'm fine with it. You're naturally, though, like we've talked about, you're not one of these guys who, what? when you retired, lost 100 pounds in six months. You're Thank naturally you. gigantic. So if you would have juiced, you would have been a real well, no. beast. See, but here's the thing about it, Dave. It's not, it's not, you don't juice to get like yoked, right? So here's the general theory is if I'm rehabbing from an injury, I'm taking HGH, right? Human growth hormone. I should be able to recover quicker because that just kind of helps your body recover, right? So in between workouts, my body recovers quicker. Therefore, my workout the next day is even better than it would have been if I wasn't using steroids. So it's not like a specific thing where it makes you big and strong. It makes your body recover faster to work out better the next day, 
day after that, the day, like whatever. So, you know, the fatigue is not there, right? You're, you're not fatigued. You're not tired. You're not breaking down. That's what it does. Right. So I, so in theory, I, I would be able to heal faster. So I'd be able to rehab better, work out better, have more nutrients in my body, things like that. Right. And so it's not just like a, I put a lot of muscle. It's that I'm able to recover faster for all those different reasons. And that's why guys use it. A lot of guys don't use it to get ripped. They do it. Do they want to recover faster from injuries? Well, people do always specific to steroids in, in, in football, not baseball, but people always do that thing of like, well, the, you know, uh, you, you happen to know that your favorite football team, the Steelers of the 70s, they were all on juice. Yeah. You know, okay. uh, you, you know who else was? The rest of the league. I mean, yeah. like it was it was keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, um, and that's my response to that. But again, like I say. This thing of like, I don't know who we're trying to convince. It's kind of like this this dumb one-day contract thing that we see. It's like, who is this show for exactly? Like, hey, J- did you hear Jason Witten who, who went into the broadcast booth? Then he played for the Raiders. He's going to retire as a cowboy. Like, no, he's not. He, no, he's not. He, he just retired from, from the Ra- – no, 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 no. He signed a one-day contract with the Dallas Cowboys. Like, who is that nonsense for? What child is like, I'm glad it all worked out in the end. They all lived happily ever after. Like, these are grown-up people wasting time. Talk about we don't have time to do this, that, or the other in society. Who has the time to sit down in a room and sign a contract to pretend like you're a Dallas Cowboy again? And as I always say, I would like one guy to be like – they're like, I need an extra half million if I'm going to sign this deal, uh, Jerry. I, I think that would be a funny move. But anyway, um, it's in the same way. Like they say, should we asterisk this? I mean, should we? Should we? Should there be some? Um, should we denote on the plaque at the Hall of Fame that this guy used steroids? It's like you don't. For whom do we need that? We all know that hey, Ty hey, Cobb hey, was dead. Hey, I don't know when Ty hey. Cobb died, but he was dead before we any of us lived. I'm hey, pretty sure. Hey. We all know Ty Cobb was a jerk. We don't need. Or official asterisk. We already know these things. Is it for the kids? For the kids, that's what. Because everything we do for the kids, <laughs> it's a stupid thing. For the kids, for the kids. Um, it's your it's your job. Like if I were taking my kid to the Hall of Fame and Barry Bonds plaque was there, it's like, oh daddy, look, your favorite player, Barry Bonds. I would explain to him his career. Like that's yeah. my job as my as his dad. Um, or you know, or as her dad, if my daughter goes too. Um, like the the morality thing in pro sports, man. It's just it's so interesting how we do that. Um I get it. I, I get where it comes from. It comes, it comes from, from a place Hollywood. of like these people Rudy. are so the old Charles Bar. Well, it's Rudy. like, you know. It comes from Rudy. People are like, I don't know. I get well, I, I get what Chaz like Barkley's like, I'm not your role model. Like and it's five, like, yeah, six. you are. Rudy's like five six playing in a college game. Get out of here. All right, we'll have time to talk about Rudy. Well, listen. You get my you get you, you get my point though. The, the like the it's also nonsense when athletes like I'm just playing a game. I'm not here to be anybody's role model. It's like, hey, Daniel Day Lewis, stop talking about how you don't want to have to do pressers because all you want to do is act. Like, well, then you shouldn't have signed up because you what what weird reality do you think you get to choose like I'm I'm merely a thespian and I'm not going to do any of the charade and that nonsense well you you have to and like whether you choose to or not same thing like I'm not a role model well yeah you are because people are watching you and that comes along with it and especially if you want endorsements and all of that so I get the role model thing it's just that but it, it, it like I say it's also nonsense that you that the measure isn't your isn't your greatness. I mean, I, I I don't know how else to to say it other than like you're you're trying too hard, 
if in that guy's era, he was dominant among his peers, like that's the end of the conversation, kind of. Because right? everybody right. played fast. Babe Ruth dominated against who? A bunch of other white guys. I mean, like, like I, I can play that game with just about any name you want to volunteer. Jean Beliveau, now that guy, he was smooth. There's nobody like that. Yeah, he played five other teams so over the course of a season and on a load. Like I, I can pick apart well, every every uh, you know um, everybody who's why, every and legend. Why, and this is why, by the way, that Schilling wants the veterans committee to decide, right? Because the veterans committee is full of players and executives and coaches. Because Barry Bonds, ask anyone who played that era, they'll tell you Barry Bonds was the best player that played during that era. Uh, I, I saw Greg Maddox. Uh, on, I think it was on part of my take, and they asked him about Barry Bonds. He goes, "Yeah." Easiest guy to ever face. You just throw fastballs away and then you just walk them. Like he's like, I don't have to think about it. I just, I just walk them. Just walk them. Like, I mean, he, Dave, he walked when you're 232 times. All right. Here's what we have to do. I don't want to do it today because it deserves our, uh, our full attention. And uh, we can't, we can't play fast and loose with it. We just have to figure out Eddie Spaghetti. Jeff Schwartz, we'll get Cousin Sal to chime in. We'll get some other powerhouse voices. A blue ribbon panel must be put together to determine who the inaugural class. I don't know. And also we need a name for it. Hall of All, um, a state of great, the greatest state. I don't know. But it, it's not about fame also. Fame is weird. Like Hall of Fame. What are we, that's what we're talking about. Put uh, put Mark Fidrich in the Hall of Fame. Then he was famous for a little. He was famous, but is he a Hall of Famer? No. This is going to evaluate greatness, and we need to figure out first twenty, first twenty five names. Because when you go there in twenty twenty one, you want to see somebody. Um, but so we need we can't just be five or six people. So anyway, we'll do that at a later date. In the meantime, before we get to spaghetti and meatballs for our Mass Mutual Division hockey talk here, um, another. Crazy week with uh, Jim Rutherford hanging it up unexpectedly in Pittsburgh, PA. We'll see what the fellas uh, spaghetti and meatballs have to say about that. But Schwartz, before we bounce from that stuff, um, what are your thoughts here? It's crazy, too, by the way. Kudos to the football gods. I don't know if it just broke right or whatever, but football is never far from the brain because of its calendar. And NBA, I mean, the Lakers and Sixers played. On Wednesday night, it was a great game, and the story today is all about, hey, where's Deshaun Watson going to wind up? And by the way, what about Matthew Stafford? And what about Jared Goff? And is Sam Darnold going to move, or is Tua going to move? Your thoughts on the QB carousel already spinning fast. It's not even waiting for the Super Bowl to end before teams are already all over this. Let's start with Deshaun Watson. Seems irreparable to me. I mean, if Deshaun Watson wants out, you know, they can try and find him and hold on to him, or... Here's a, let me just throw my hypothesis at you. They hired the guy that they hired because he's a QB. His, he's nominally kind of like a QB guru type of guy. So they hire him because they intend to, to they, they know that the Dolphins and at minimum the Jets are interested. I'm sure Joe Douglas from the Jets has already made contact there. So they know they have a chance of dealing with the Jets and maybe with the Dolphins too. I think though, that, that what they want is the Texans. They would like to make the Jets deal. Number two pick, Trevor Lawrence is out of the way, first overall down in Jacksonville. Uh, then the Texans, by getting the number two pick from the Jets, have their pick of the litter. And the coach says, let me pick the guy I want to bring along here. I'm 65 years of age after all. It's not like I'm going to be coaching for the next 20 years or anything. But let me 
work with this kid, develop him, and it will be a relatively quick turnaround because that's what the Texans need. If they move on from Watson, people like, as a, for instance, in Pittsburgh are floating like, why don't the Steelers, Steelers got to offer him the 24th overall. It's that's like, not that's not enough. They're not going to, Mac yeah. Jones or Kyle Trask is not a suitable, you have to sell tickets if you're the Texans. You have to maintain some interest. You have yeah. a generational guy in um in Deshaun Watson, you're going to give him away. You better immediately distract the fan base by saying like, yeah. "Yeah, but we got Justin Fields, pretty nice, right?" True or false? I think it depends if the Texans like Tua more than Justin Fields. I think that's it's right. It's that simple, right? If they like Justin Fields more, they'll take the Jets deal. If they like um, Tua, they'll take the Dolphins deal. Obviously, Darnold can be part of the Jets deal too. So, if the, if the Texans like Darnold, maybe that's what they you know or they end up trading Darnold somewhere else. Like, it could be, but here's a, here's my pushback on that. I agree with you. My first thought was Darnold would be part of a package to go down to Houston. I don't think that, that I don't think that suffices again to my PR standpoint from a PR perspective. Oh no, they would need like, to trade number three, number eighteen. Like they have to trade all of that too. No, no, no. I know they would also do that, but I assume that the Texans would take Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, or otherwise. And then you have Sam Darnold. And I think that the Jets would want to regain some draft picks. And that's why they would hold on to Sam Darnold would be their preference at yeah, least I could see to that. then deal yeah. him. And that's where the Pittsburgh Steelers come into play. Yeah, I really I do think that that's a nice deal. If you could get Sam yeah. Darnold, that's a good move. I wrote for Pittsburgh. about that as well. The one thing that is yeah. interesting about, yeah, it'd be out for Fox sports. I think Darnold's a good play for the Pittsburgh was like plus 2000, somewhere around plus 1800, somewhere for Darnold to Pittsburgh. Um, the, the thing that I've seen on on the social media, the Twitter sphere, um, is people saying that Deshaun would prefer the Jets over the Dolphins. I I don't see that being true at all. The Dolphins went ten and six this past season. They have a proven coach, a proven defense. They're young on offense, sure, but Deshaun Watson immediately makes them a contender to win the AFC, in my opinion. Right, challenge the Chiefs. No state tax in Florida as well. Uh, why? What does he want to go to the Jets over the Dolphins? The, oh, he gets more endorsements in New York. What? What Have you seen Aaron Rodgers or Baker Mayfield or Pat Mahomes or Peyton Manning do commercials? It's about winning. It's not about where you live. It's do you win or not. That's how you get endorsements. No, you just said it. I, I've talked to too many pro football players who say who cite stuff like that, and it really punctures the, bubble, the, uh, the balloon of football fans when they hear stuff like, no state tax? Wait a second. But you could be playing with uh, Denzel Mims and, like, it's like I, I don't give a crap. I, like, I want to <laughs> – make as much money as I possibly can make is my main goal. That I, I, That is the sad reality, true or false. I mean, it's like if, if there's a decisively better spot, like, oh, this is all set up for me to win titles. I'm not talking about Tom Brady at 43. I'm talking if you're 25. I could see being kind of like, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Like I, I'd rather my lifestyle yeah. in South Beach is better than it is in Manhattan. I kind of get that. I, I mean, you know, New York is fun if you're in your mid twenties, though, too. Uh, yeah, but you can also spend plenty of time in New York in any part of the off season. Like, I don't. Miami is not fun either. Like, I don't. I just. No, I'm just so saying. I, I could. I mean, people don't. Fan bases don't want to hear that. They want to hear like, but but it, the the philosophy, the way of our organization. It's like I don't think Deshaun Watson it cares that. I mean, he he obviously does care because he's now willing himself out of. Houston for some severe reasons, it, it would seem with the, with ownership and otherwise. So, all right, let's spin it here and we'll figure this all out. We'll put it in pencil for now. 
I say Deshaun Watson does go to the Jets. I think Sam Darnold, if Joe Douglas has his way, holds on to Darnold so that he can trade him and regain some draft picks further down in the 2021 draft. I think that just because Cliff Kingsbury um, and company moved on from Josh Rosen, I don't think that it's that – I don't think Brian Flores and otherwise just want to – I don't I, – we we've got we've assumed like oh you just you could just move on from Tua that's all that that's the answer to that I don't know I don't think every organization is down with like let's just get rid of the rookie we gave him one year and that was yeah, enough but, and now but let's but get Deshaun the next Watson is only twenty five I hear you I'm just he saying was, I, I I think people are very breezy about yeah. oh you could just do that that's all well of course so I I have I have Deshaun in Miami I think hmm. I have Stafford in. In uh, Indy, I have Darnold in San Francisco. Oh, and then I think Wentz stays and, and Rogers stays. Darnold in in San Francisco. That doesn't seem like a great fit. Well, I think it's great. That, is it? Dude, all that offense does is produce quarterbacks that know what they're doing. And you have uh, a quarterback who's more mobile than Jimmy G, who's does pretty well under pressure, playing a real sound system. Uh, I think Darnold will be it'd be a cheaper play than going and trying to get Matt Stafford. Deshaun Watson, um, even drafting a guy, you'd have kind of a, a guy there. Now, I think Sam Donald's an interesting play for the Niners there. Do you think Carson Wentz moves? It seems like he's locked in and, the whole him move. And, him and Rodgers are staying put. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely with you on, uh, on, on Rodgers staying there. Jared Goff's name now thrown in the mix. Uh, not, complete, not a complete surprise. It's just that he's – carries a, a big price tag and he's and he's Jared Goff. He's not Deshaun Watson or even Carson Wentz who tracked well, I guess Jared Goff tracked towards an MVP two years ago. Um but I uh, think they might draft a guy, but I don't think they're gonna find someone in free agency. I think they're gonna have a hard time moving Jared Goff. I think yeah, that's, that's why you that's why you just draft someone. And just let that uh that money burn on the bench, eh? Yeah. Interesting. Um all right, that's our first spin of the wheel. And by the way, we need a good device for that. I, 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 I've I long called it the QB carousel, but everybody calls it that now. Now I think we have to zig while the rest of the world is zagging. Or do we just try to own the carousel as our own since uh, I think let's, we let, – let's just, We'll just take it over. Okay, or do we or do we get like a big um, Price is Right style wheel and we spin it every week kind of thing? I don't know. we got to figure that stuff it's out. It's hard to virtually spin it. That's true. Oh, and you know who else is going to be looking for a QB? Where you are as we speak here, Jeff Schwartz, Charlotte, North Carolina. I think Teddy B is not long for that gig. Do you buy? That's what it feels like. In an overarching way, do you think? I mean, you know, Teddy B in San Francisco. If they lose out on the Stafford sweepstakes, I think I could see him being very productive in that offense. Yeah, but that's a, they're paying. That'd be a lot of money, man. And then Jimmy G, where does he wind up? Is Jimmy G a starter in 2021? Um, I I think there's a chance he goes back to New England. Maybe. I think that's what is exactly right. I was just going to yeah. say that. I think he winds up a Patriot once again. Because so. I think Belichick still has an ego and against his better judgment will do that. Or he might double down, get Jimmy G, and also draft, um, you know, uh, one, one, maybe Trey Lance would make some sense mm. in that way. Um, I but Schefter going eighteen guys changing spots is is is, is uh, I mean 
that's loco if it comes anything close to that. I bet a finger, I bet a digit two years ago with Matt Money Smith and and uh, handsome Hank Hodgson um, on this. When I said double digits, they laughed at me. I said double digit uh, QB changes here, so I bet a digit on it. Now Schefter's saying eighteen. I, I mean, that's I that seems huge. Uh, I get the sense Schwartz, you're starting to get hungry. I am. I'm, I figured. I, uh, I can tell yeah. when you, I can tell when you start to wane. You start to yeah. think about poultry. And you know what you're going to eat for lunch. I'm going to make a. I think I'm gonna make, I've been thinking about that. It's 12:49 Eastern. I've been thinking about lunch for probably since 12:20. Like I'm, I'm debating what soup I want to have. I can do a canned soup. Or I have some other soups. I'm, I've been could see my wheels spinning. You know what I uh, had last night for the second time in uh, in a week is um, I had some uh, curry. We we ordered out the Indian oh, curry's food. Good. And I and I got uh, I got a, a, another delicious shrimp curry. It's uh, really doing that. A lot of cheese. I'm still on the cheese in 2021. A lot I'm sorry, of sorry for your toilet. Well, no, I mean I don't have those problems. I don't know what happens. Oh, uh, so my real quick, my toilet has been backed up. My master toilet. I'm like, what the hell's happening? I bought, even bought a, like a 25 foot like snake to snake down there. Nothing, nothing. Okay, <laughs> nothing. It just wouldn't flush. Nothing. So um, we call the plumber. Dave, Dave is, if you can imagine a plumber from the South, just that's Dave. Dave shows up. He's like, I don't know what's wrong. I'm going to figure it out. So he keeps cutting like, he goes under, <laughs> he goes under the crawl space. He cuts a pipe and he's like, he's like, oh, okay. It's not here. And he, he puts the pipe back and seals it back up. Cuts another part of the pipe. Oh, it's not here. So finally he found that something plastic had fallen in the toilet in, in like a curvature of the pipe under the, under the house and got jammed in there up, like up and down, like kind of parallel. So any snake went down there, just went right past it. <laughs> and it built up like all this stuff just like clogged up right there. So old Dave fixed my toilet yesterday. Uh, so, now I'm company to come clean up the crawl space. Cause there's, he's like, he's like, when he left last night, he's like, guys, you probably want to go down there and bleach it pretty soon. <laughs> but so if i if i'm reading between the lines you ingested one of the children's toys and then passed it into no, the toilet you know what it was you know what it was um my wife we went to europe a couple of years ago my wife came back and said i want a bidet and i was like i'm not putting you in a bidet but you can put these attachments on the toilet that is like similar yes. to the day so i put the attachment on and i never actually hooked it up i never like put the pipes together so a piece of that where like I think the water squirter is that plastic piece fell off in the toilet. That's what happened. Sloppy bowels, uh, tails from the sloppy bowels. Is that yeah. what it was? Sloppy uh, bowels, yeah. Eddie had sloppy bowels, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, we uh, you know what's a weird phenomenon that goes on in this house is um four and six year olds, uh that both of them, I mean they're little people, obviously. Yeah. They both clog the toilets, and I don't mean my I don't kids, mean my kids I don't mean so by much. I don't mean by jamming too much toilet paper in it either. I'm what I don't big, know. They have big poops, man. The kids, I'm shocked every time I see one. I'm like, how is it possible? Like, how do they carry that much around inside of them and move? Like, how do they how do they lead active lifestyles with I with mean, that probably, living inside of like them? it's probably a good you know a good like three percent of their body weight. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It, it, it's really quite a thing. And it's kind of fun. Like I'm of two minds. I'm, you know, it's, it's gross and everything, but they're so proud, you know, like, Whoa, dad, dad, you got to see, 
look, I, I did a big poo poo and then I got to come and see it and I can't help but celebrate with them. You know, it's remarkable. My daughter, you know? her favorite thing in the world. Right I now. enjoy greatness. That's a stroke. Forgive me for enjoying LeBron James. I understand it. My, my daughter's new thing is to fart on me. So I get it, man. It's just, it's just, this house is full of our houses, both full of young kids who enjoy, uh, poops. Adorable. Adorable. Um, all right, Schwartz, you go eat because I don't think you care much for uh, to, to jump in on, on the hot hockey I, talk I here. I love it. I love we'll it. look forward to kibitzing with I you the next week. Uniforms. The Flames have nice uniforms. Exactly. Like the like, team is the Chiefs. I like the Dallas team too. Nah. What, the uniforms or the yeah. team? I don't, I, don't, I don't root for it. I, I'm a, I guess I'm a Kings fan. No, you got to get in on a mass mutual team. That's the only division we talk here on the show. Yeah, that uh, that sounds like a stock that got banned from trading today. So, um, all right, all right guys, I'll let you be. All right, good luck with your bidet and your chickens and God, avoid the hawk and all the rest of it. didn't die while we were recording this. I'll go all find right. out. Go take steroids okay. and see how it goes. There goes Jeff <laughs> Schwartz. And now it's time, Eddie Spaghetti. And Mikey Meatballs, take it away. It's time for Spaghetti and Meatballs on the Mass Mutual Division and all things Puck. All right. Third edition Spaghetti and Meatballs. Eddie Spaghetti here with Michael Meatballs. And Dave sitting in on this one after a, a great minus three. Pretend I'm not here. Okay. I'll pretend he's not there. So we won't mention Jim Rutherford stepping down from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, That's not one of my three topics for this episode, but uh, that is some big news there. So we'll see if he comes back to the league. We'll see what the Penguins have a replacement ready. Maybe we'll find out the details of what went wrong with them. But uh, that is a little bit of interesting news there. But he stepped aside for personal reasons. I am not going to dive into that because I do not know. My guys at The Athletic, Josh Yoey and and Rossi, say they have uh, tamped down all the conspiracy theories that um, uh, that uh, Rutherford wanted to trade Latang or Malkin and somebody above him stepped mm. in and said, no, it's not that apparently, but he does uh, clearly have some cross dealings with someone in the front office. It doesn't seem though, like it's Lemieux. Anyway, that's it for me. I'm, uh, I'm sitting it out. Just uh, addressing that. If you go and train Malkin, that's waving the white flag. You, that says you don't want to, you're not going to compete. You want to rebuild for the future. I don't know if this season I would do it, especially when you have these older kind of teams ramping up, like, the Capitals, which will lead me into my first topic, but it's it's one of those things where you, you want to have as much talent on your team as possible and just get in the dance and see what happens. Anyway, I'll move on to my first topic. I just said the, the Capitals here. I said a few weeks ago, I thought this is purely going to be a locker room kind of morale booster move here, and it's just one of those things where, hey, we could plug him in maybe in the third line or in some kind of reserve role that it'll help them in their playoff push because they should be one of the top teams. Uh, I was kind of wrong about that right now. He's, I think, third nice time. He's playing really well. Um, and he's you know interviewed about playing the the Bruins for the first time, and it's 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 really nice to see in a, in a sense of the, a lot of the Bruins players saying that this guy was here in Boston for the you know the length of my entire career, and now he's playing a with a rival team in a different uniform. And Char himself said it's going to be an emotional emotional game for him. And I I would say you know. I think these are the two best teams in the East. And I think that him being a, especially while they have three or four players out with the COVID restrictions, including Ovechkin, I think him playing really well, a guy that just is, you know, a wizard, one of the best defensemen in my lifetime, obviously yours as well, Mike. So him saying, admitting that he is, 
super weirded out and sad by this matchup. And the same thing goes for the, the Boston players. But seeing him play well is, I guess, a nice surprise. And it actually makes this this matchup a whole heck of a lot better because I, I do think maybe with the Flyers mixed in, these are your two best teams. Yeah, I agree on that. Uh, my third star of the day is also um, the Capitals because mm-hmm. they have a ton of guys out right now and they have not lost in regulation yet. Right. I think yep. they have, what, they have 11 points and they're in first mm-hmm. right now in the East? Yeah. So um, they also – they have Wilson out, Ovechkin's out, uh, Kuznetsov's out, um, Sansonov is out. And then Backstrom and Ellers also could be out for today. So while it's good for the Islanders, um, this team has shown no quit with their with their older guys. So, you know, I, it's they're going to come down the stretch if they, you know, avoid the the whole – playoff thing from last year where they're all locked in I think it could be a real real game changer and they could you know they could really be dangerous come playoff time yeah exactly and that's they're being really good on special teams as well uh, I mentioned Chara he's on the PK and he's they're doing dynamite job there that's it's a real dangerous team Saturday's game versus the Bruins it's gonna be a good one I think you know I did predict as I think those three teams ahead of the rest of them unfortunately my Rangers are sliding down a lot of bad losses recently, but I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, this 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 Caps team are, are I would not be shocked if we saw the Caps in the finals this year. And and you know that goes back to what I said about Pittsburgh keeping your veteran players in this weird team. They sign a bunch of guys. They're all in their mid thirties. But if it works out this one sixty game plus season, that's that's good. That's what you want to see. My second star, and I have to step out of the East here because I think this is NHL-wide news. This is a pretty big deal. We had a huge trade. Pierre-Luc Dubois for Patrick Laine, uh, Blue Jackets, Winnipeg Jets making a trade here. The story kind of started with John Torello, who used to be the Rangers coach, who I am quite familiar with. And he just, uh, some players just don't buy in. They don't buy in. That's why Panarin's left, a bunch of other players have left. They don't buy into his coaching style. Dubois had a really bad shift a few games ago where he just barely tried, and then it caused a whole big blow up, and he forced his way out. Now you have Winnipeg getting a a second line center back in. It should help them immensely. It's going to help him, I think, in terms of if you're a person who wants to bet on them on fanduel.com slash minus three or even in NHL fantasy, by all means, he's going to be, he is already a top 100 player, so he's going to go even higher. And then the flip side, now you have Patrick Laine, who's an elite left wing, right wing goal scorer. Now you're going to bring him into Tortorella's system. Tortorella's already said he's not going to change the way he coaches. His system is what it is. His style is what it is. Uh, Laine is a guy who's electric. Tortorella himself even said seeing him skate down the left side was very scary. And now they got a guy, top line center, who has not played yet because of injuries. And and I believe he had a visa visa issues um, with being overseas. So he'll yeah. eventually come back and plant, and they'll plug him right in the top line. You have one of your best goal scorers in the uh, entire league now uh, on this team, this Blue Jackets team. Big blockbuster of a deal. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that one, Mike, but it's, I know it's not a mass mutual lease, but it's too big not to talk about. Yeah, I figured I'd jump in on this one too with you. Uh, Lining is only 22 and he has 140 goals. I know that's been said a ton, but unreal. And most of his goals are either one timers or just wicked wrist shots from from the faceoff point. Um, so that they're really scoring their big, the Blue Jackets. I don't know, you know, if they're, you know, not great by the end of the season. Maybe he moves on. Maybe he buys into Tortorella. I don't really know what that story will be, but if he doesn't re-sign with Columbus, some team out there is going to get a, a big goal score because by the time, if he's playing with the top six center, which he was, the top six forwards, which he was in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. but if he's playing with a real, real playmaker, true playmaker, he's going to put up 
plus goals at some That's, point in his career. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because I did forget to mention he is a restricted free agent. If there ever was a reason to buy into John Tortorella's offense and his scheme and his style of coaching, it's right now for line A because you're going to be potentially available. If he's great for the Blue Jackets and he buys in, then he gets he gets his money there. If not, he'll go elsewhere. Like you said, he's super young. He's a super talented goal scorer. He's going to be you know plugged in the first line, your top PP unit, no matter what. That's just the way it's going to be. I think... I personally believe that he knows this deep down and he will buy into torts. Like there are some players who absolutely love torts. I'm not saying that line's going to, you could pencil him as being that guy. He's going to be totally rah-rah for torts. But I, I think, you know, he'll be smart about his money and he'll, like you said, if he's playing with the top line center, he scores a bunch of goals and he's going to get, uh, you know, he could sign a, a huge check uh, at season's end. So yeah, that was a, a blockbuster of a deal. Moving on to my last one, and I can mention quickly uh, the 60th birthday of Wayne Gretzky to get back into the Mass Mutual Elites, former Rangers. And they posted a picture of him wearing that, the white Statue of Liberty sweater, which I absolutely love. I wish they brought that one back. But yeah, greatest players player of all time, a lot better than... Mario Lemieux. So I want to get to the the Rangers topic. My last, I guess, first star, but it's the the, the worst one I want he to is, talk about. I, I just, I, I'm sorry to jump in here, and I'm not going to about but, uh, Wayne Gretzky, the best the best player of all time. He well, he definitely was. He was a what? He, he definitely is one of the greatest Rangers of all time. That's oh, nice. okay. That's all. So, I mean, I just was complimenting him. No, that's it's, that's fine. But yeah, so that that picture was a bright spot to see the great one uh, celebrate his sixtieth. The blues for the blues couldn't make it work with Brett Hall. The greatest so, of all time. The bright spot for the Rangers was uh, posting that picture of their beautiful uniforms with the great one. The bad spot is they are uh, a one win team. And the, the weird thing about them being a one win team is that their goal differential. I think right now it's at two. I think they have like 15 goals for 17 again. So obviously the goals for 15, not great, but 17 against not so bad. It's very weird for a team with a minus two differential to only have one win. And I think really outside of the game, right in the beginning of the year versus your Islanders, Mike, that they they were in pretty much every other game. And if it wasn't for a couple own goals and soft goals and just these boneheaded mistakes, mainly, unfortunately, by Igor uh, Shesterkin, they're, they're right in all these games. They could have they should have won more. But my issue with them is. The veterans that you expect to play really well are not playing really well. And that's Zibanejad and that's Kreider. I know he just scored, but Kreider overall has not been as great. Panarin looks a little lost out there. And the goalies who, uh, and I said this is going to be a problem in this year, they have not started three games in a row. It's a game or two games in a row. They, they switch out between Shesterkin and Georgiev. And then you're not going to learn the position. This is a great year for them to, to, to do that. Give them a stretch of three, four, five games in a row in a shortened season. They're not doing that. And I knew they'd have growing pains. I said, they're not going to win anything this year. They're probably not going to win anything next year. I would have liked to be, you know, within arm's distance of a playoff spot this season, just in terms of just getting the the guys ready for the, the mental preparation for what's to come in the next few years. And it's just right now, these frustrating games. And obviously I'd feel a whole heck of a lot worse if they're losing games, you know, for zip or whatever, but losing these games you have the lead in the third period and blowing it is uh, just as frustrating and Alexis Lafreniere has looked like he wants to be too good of a team who's just passing way too much not wanting to take chances not wanting to dominate like he can so yeah my first star ultra frustrating Rangers team they are last in the league in a, a few categories here but I guess the bright spot is goal differential so I am not thrilled with that well I think for the Rangers once uh, Zibanejad gets going I think they'll be okay 
but that that Kreider contract could look really bad with him too. Yeah, I mean, he's he, they moved him around too because of Lafreniere. They wanted to put him in the top line, so they moved right. they moved Kreider over to the right wing, and he's been left wing forever. And I love he's my favorite player. I watched him play in college at, at Boston College when I was at BU. I mean, he was awesome. Uh, I have his sweater. Like he is just my favorite range. I'm so glad they kept him. But you're right; it's a lot of money for a guy who's going to hit 30 years old, and he's you know, not pretty, he's just scored and they're making move positions for the, you know, their phenom, but it's nothing is clicking. No line is right. clicking. And the one line that was clicking, which I have to mention is Philip Heedle with his injury at uh, four to six mm. weeks. And he was playing great and he was really, really good for them. And he was another young player that everyone expected. They took in the first round of the draft. Uh, what was it now? Three years ago. And mm. they expect him to, to have, you know, a huge season. And really besides like Bucinovich and Kako, uh, even though it's on the score sheet, there's not a lot of forwards, playing well. Conjure Miller finally scored, which is great. So there are some improvements with the younger players, but I think really what it comes down to is just the inconsistent goaltending and the the the, the their veterans just really not showing up when they when they have to. So it's just a, it's frustrating. I I if being frustrated is a little bit better than them being blown out, but it's games that should have won and I just you know, David Quinn's down in the hot seat and it's it's messy. It's messy very early on. You guys are so loaded, though. The Rangers, I mean, like this is a whatever year. So what? Let them get up to right. speed that they are so overwhelming in, in, in with uh, the depth of high skill. It's it's, uh, you know, I'm a pedigree snob and the sure. pedigree is great there. The only question I have is I've now heard it a couple of ways. I always heard it as Capo Caco, but then I heard some people saying Capo Caco, which Caco, is even yeah. funnier. If he's Capo Caco, that's even funnier. That I might think be- he's Caco. Yeah, Sam Rosen says Caco. I, I like Capo Caco. It's like because then there was like Igor Shesterkin and people say Shesterkin and then it's Georgiev and then Georgiev. I know. Would you like to be meatballs since balls is in your name? Would you rather be named as Capo Caco or Capo Caco? If your name is Capo Caco, is that cool or is it embarrassing? Do you get made fun of when you're growing up? If you're Caco, people make fun of you. But if you're in the NHL and your name is Capo Caco, look out. I mean, that's up yeah. there. Amu Solani, Ilka Silo, Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and anyone else you want to throw mm. out. Yeah, no, I agree on that. I, it's it's Thank definitely you. a name you grow into, especially well, you know, once you once you make uh once you make your NHL debut, it, it sounds it sounds pretty good on the broadcast. Yeah, I mean, if he, scores, if he scores forty goals this year, I think it'll become a, a household name. Everyone will say in Kako. That's the, the how the much better would it have been if the uh, if the overtime goal uh, way back in '94 would have been scored by him? Kako, Kako, Kako. <laughs> Yeah, instead of my toe. Yeah, I mean, well, hopefully we'll, we'll have that soon. 2024, we'll do it uh, 30 years and uh, anniversary. Right. I interrupted you, Meatball. No, it, no, it's, it's fine. And I'm and I and I that is a good point. There are a lot of weird names on the range. Uh, another one, Keetle, Heedle. Like everyone drafting him, they're saying Keetle. I saw it. I heard Cheetle. I heard. Yeah, it. right. And now it's Heedle. I mean, it's just it's weird. A weird named roster. Uh, my number one star is Leo Komarov, and not for the reasons you think. Um, Thank you, Leo, for being so bad that hopefully we play Oliver Wallstrom tonight. Uh, I cannot stomach watching another Leo Komarov game. Not only did he take the five-minute major at the end of the game, but he gave up the goal on a terrible back check, and he just shouldn't see the ice anymore. I'm sorry. He's been getting paid. He's way overpaid. Uh, he's making $3 million to to be a penalty killer, but you know he's, he's causing half of these penalties. Um, and we just don't need to see him anymore. 
we have elite goal scorers, well, supposedly elite goal scorers in Walsh and Bellows, uh, you know, son of Brian Bellows, who had 480 goals in the NHL. So these guys need to play. They need to have space. They need to have plays set for them. And we need to start scoring. That So that's all that needs to be said about Leo Komarov. Get Wallstrom in the lineup. Get Bellows some consistency with his line mates. I don't know, playing with Barzell, playing with Peugeot. Don't play him with Ross Johnson. Don't play him with Leo Komarov. Don't play him with Michael Dalcole. You know, you got to play him with Nelson, Peugeot, or Barzell, and hopefully they can become 20-plus goal scorers because this is an anemic offense, and it's not looking great so far. I love how our uh, our number one stars are just both uh, complaining and been bitching about the, the teams we root for, but that's... Yeah, that's it. That's a, that's a hot new start to the three-star segment here on Minus Three. Wrap it up, Spaghetti, and uh, and that'll be that. Yeah, my final thoughts. Rangers' next three games, they have one later on versus the Buffalo Sabres, and they, lost, they dropped one already to them. I did say I sneakily like the Sabres maybe to make a playoff push here. I love Jack Eichel, BU guy, but the Rangers need to win this one, and then after that Buffalo Sabres game, they have two versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think they should have won both those games versus the Penguins. You may disagree, Dave, but they should have. They were in those games. They had a one bad stretch and pretty much dominated the the puck the entirety uh, of all those game the, those games. So they they have to come out of here. I'm not going to say they need six points, but you gotta you gotta at least have four or five. Maybe get the one game into overtime and get a point out of that. They have to ha- turn this around because by the next time we record this this segment, it could be it's it's all she wrote for the Rangers and that'll be pretty upsetting this year. I know I have to be patient and just enjoy the growth of the young players, but these are some huge games and these are teams that they should be able to beat or at least match up with. So I am, I am really going to be watching these games on the edge of my seat. Uh, I've lost the calmness, the nice ability just to enjoy that hockey's back. I'm now in fan mode and these games mean a lot. Well, I'm just, I'm curious. I, I was thinking about this the other day. What do you guys think about this? If the Sabres are bad, and Hall leaves, you know, right after this year, or maybe even the deadline. Where do you think you think Eichel leaves? You got, you, you have know? to move him. They have Enzo, to move him. Maybe Boston. That could be. They really have scary. to move him. Yeah, he may want to go back home. I mean, those rumors are going around this this past off season, and they kind of stifled them, thinking that maybe if they added Hall, and they could they could make a playoff push. But yes, I, I do agree. I think that's that's definitely a player to watch out for upcoming because he's he's electric. He's as good as it gets, and for him to be on the move. I definitely could see that happening if things go south for them. But, I mean, luckily for them, they play the Rangers. So maybe they could uh, – they're going to get all, a lot of their points from them. But that is definitely something to keep an eye on for the rest of the this season to see what happens with Eichel because that would be – that's that's a big league-wide shift right there. I hope yeah. that happened to the Sabres. So I, 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 like I say, pedigree snob. If you can – same thing as the Texans. If you have any ability to hold on to a high-end talent – Hold on to them like grim death. I'm against. I know they're mid thirties, uh, best days probably behind them. But I, I say ride if you're the Penguins. Ride with uh, Crosby and Malkin until the wheels absolutely come off. They've delivered three yeah. Stanley Cups. I know that people say that that's how you get into the Celtics. Or the, you know Rick Pitino and all that kind of stuff and. Uh, Robert Parrish ain't walking through that door. I don't know, man. Hold on to high end talent like that, even if they are their past their best days. Um, you're catching the uh, the pens at a good time, though. Spaghetti with the blue shirts because they are really decimated on the blue line. Are the pens? But all right, listen. Great stuff again, spaghetti and meatballs. Enjoyed it. Great stuff from Jeff Schwartz. Great stuff from cousin Sal. Make sure you go out there and get his book. You can't lose them all. Tales of a degenerate gambler. Order it on Amazon. 
give it a review, everything else. Be on the lookout for Extra Points and all the other grand shows here on the Extra Points Network. We'll be back with some more hot sports talk for you next week. Until then, for the whole gang, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>